This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our first reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all your undertakings, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your soil. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors, when you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in this book of the law because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Surely, this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. Our second reading comes from Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ and call us grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing whole in the world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves. From the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Ephrus, your beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all the spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. As you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God, may you be strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. 
Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm sort of making a compromise this morning. Uh, that seems to be too far away. And when I get down here, um, like Pastor Martin, I, at, I do not memorize sermons well. And so you got me halfway in between. Okay. So um, you all know this song, Identify Hood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a wonderful day to be neighborly. Won't you be? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Another Fred saying that. Uh, Fred Rogers, uh, and uh, sort of sets us up to have a second look at, a deeper look at what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about neighbors. I had a phone conversation uh, with my 13-year-old, just turned 13-year-old granddaughter, Kate, yesterday. And I, during the, the conversation, I shared with her that I would be preaching today on the, on the Good Samaritan. And I asked, I said, do, do most teens your age, would they, would they recognize uh, they, if they heard the Good Samaritan? And uh, she said, yeah, I, I, th I think so, most of my friends. Uh, I said, do they get the, do they get the point? She said, probably not. And after we talked for a few minutes, I said, okay, there are three things I'm going to make, I need to make as clear as I can today. Number one, love is more than a feeling, okay? 
Number two, your neighbor isn't just the people who live next door to you. And number three, I almost forgot number three, what's number three? Is um, it's sometimes disappointing to try to love yourself. And as we look more carefully at the, the gospel lesson, I'm hoping that we'll uh, make clear those, those three things. Anyway, the Good Samaritan story is one of the most familiar stories out of the Bible. I, I think uh, the prodigal son maybe comes, comes close, but uh, the Good Samaritan story is, is really very prominent. The setting is Jesus teaching a group of men and women, maybe teens too, who are possibly followers or perhaps just curious, interested folks. Sort of like a political candidate showing up at a restaurant for a quick Q&A over breakfast. During this time, a lawyer or legal expert of the Old Testament law, that's got to remember, that's all they had in those days was the Old Testament, uh, stands up, becoming the center of attention to put Jesus to the test, to ask the hard questions. Rabbi, he says, regarding Jesus as merely a teacher, like a good lawyer, he asks a question to which he already knows the answer, as quickly becomes evident. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus has him answer his own question by asking another question. Well, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answers, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. You got that right, Jesus says. Now go and do it, and you will live. Remember, this is a debate about Old Testament law, not New Testament faith in Jesus that saves. It was love God, love your neighbor. Okay, this is no-brainer. Do you think the lawyer's response was planned or spontaneous? When he says, but wanting to justify himself, sounds like maybe not wanting to look stupid by answering his own question so quickly and simply. Did it take him by surprise or did he anticipate this and is now digging deeper with his next question? Well, he must not have heard the old saying, you know, if you're digging yourself into a hole, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. Or, another old saw, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> but he opens his mouth and goes for it. You know, the only possible thing he can ask is, well, who is my neighbor? Loving God is pretty clear. But the neighbor, not so much. According to the dictionary and the way we look and use the word, my neighbor is somebody who lives near to me, next door, across the street, or at least on my block. And bless you if you have a good neighbor who will get your mail, your paper when you're gone, who will water your plants, you know, and we got good neighbors. We, we go back and forth. Uh, neighbors are good. But Jesus answers 
that question with this parable. A man on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho gets mugged by robbers who beat him up, strip him of possessions and clothes, and leave him laying there half dead. Not long after, a priest comes by, sees him, and passes by on the other side. Next, a Levite, religious lay leader, comes along and also passes by on the other side. You can just imagine this, like when you're in your car and, and you see car motor stranded on the side, off to the left, and you go make a wide swath around him. Well, they had this down already back then. But then a Samaritan, a hated Samaritan, not a Jew, uh, 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 what was known to them as a half-breed, uh, somebody who was committing treason, who was not living according to the law of Moses, not a good person, came along. But when he sees the wounded traveler, he is moved with pity, so much so that he stops and becomes a first responder, cleans his wounds with oil and wine. That was first century first aid kit. Bandages him up and somehow manages to get him on his mule. You know, you should see Renaissance paintings of that Samaritan trying to get the arms and legs of this crumpled person, almost naked, onto the back of his mule. Uh, a little bit humorous with flopping arms and legs. Not an easy task and carts him to a motel down the road where he puts him up, pays for his stay, arranges with the innkeeper to get him through the night, promises to come back the next day even for any additional expenses which a person of his compassion and integrity could be counted on to do. A respectable Samaritan. In the silent pause before the lawyer or anyone can comment, Jesus puts the question of the day to the lawyer. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who was mugged by the robbers? Do you notice anything strange, illogical, turned around about this question? Why didn't Jesus ask, as I would have, which one of those three who came upon the victim treated him like a neighbor? That's the question I was expecting. But Jesus asks, which of the three was neighbor to the one in need? Now, here is where Siri helps me out. You know, when you've got, when you're retired and you've got too much time on your hand for um, a sermon, preparation for sermon, uh, you do st weird things. So what I did, I got my phone out and I asked Siri, I said, Siri, who is my neighbor? Now, when Mary Beth asked the question, she got a different answer, but you can try this. The answer that I got was, Fred, here are the personal facts and data on Fred Weesey. What? My neighbor, Fred Weesey. Siri is a pretty brilliant, she, she and Jesus were just like this. I ask her in the personal facts, come back, Fred. I'm the key to loving my neighbor, to being neighborly to the one in need. 
Don't ask whether a person in need is your neighbor. Of course she is. But the test of neighborliness lies in you and your sense of compassion and mercy, not in the worthiness of the person in need. And this is, this is the whole ball of wax as far as I'm concerned. Back to the lawyer now who answers his own original question. He says, the neighbor is the one who showed mercy. He has to answer correctly. But this admission reveals the bias, the racism, the hatred he had for the Samaritan when he can't even bring himself to acknowledge his race by saying, well, it was the Samaritan. He says, unwittingly, perhaps giving a greater compliment to the Samaritan by saying, the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise, Jesus says. The singer, the final answer, done with the debate, done with the hypothetical questions, done with the test. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Have you ever been curious about what happened next? I sure am. Did, did, the, did the, the lawyer go away sorrowing like the rich man that Jesus challenged to give all he had to the poor? Or perhaps, do you think... You could cut him some slack to think that maybe he was more like Nicodemus, who was curious and open-minded and open-hearted enough to listen seriously to something he didn't expect from Jesus, become a secret follower, perhaps. But, you know, okay, I don't know what happened. You can think about that. Talk about it over coffee. But even more, what I'm wondering is about you, you and me because you are the one on the receiving end of Jesus' command today, as I am also. And I love the King James Version, which was not go and do likewise. The King James Version was go and do thou likewise. Thou, you, me too. I trust that because you and we are here today and treasure the words and will of Jesus, we will respond Okay, Jesus, I will go and do likewise with the help and by the grace of God. But at the same time, we know it's complicated, not easy. There are still those one-on-one, -on -one spontaneous, unplanned, unexpected situations that pop up as fast as a deer in your headlights. God, forgive us for the many times we have played shoulda, woulda, coulda, Forgive us for being too preoccupied, going too fast, being too busy, or too frightened, or too biased, or too suspicious, or too pressured, or too put upon to respond, or to stop, or to even turn around and go back and do the right thing. Because of the cross of Jesus, we are forgiven, thanks be to God. But in addition to forgiving us, he also empowers us. The good I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through that victory, we have what Paul calls the mind of Christ, meaning his compassion, his willingness to become a servant, offering his life for all, the lost, the last, the least, and especially you, and especially me. We can... And join Paul in saying, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me.
And it's not just wanting to show mercy and doing what I can, but here's the problem, at least for me and I suspect for others. Finding myself the one-to-one, finding myself beyond the one-to-one situation, being overwhelmed by the needs of the world which are daily in the news on high-def color TV and come to our mailbox by twos and threes and more every single day. What good can I do? How can I help when there are so many that I can't help? The separated children and parents on our southern border, the many on the Gulf Coast flooded out by storm after storm even as we speak. Finally, there comes compassion fatigue, compassion overload. Last Sunday, we were encouraged by Paul in the second reading not to grow weary in our well-doing. What has really helped me, and I have heard helps others talk about it as well, as is to just look around you today, look around you in worship. These people, some we know, some we don't know. This morning at the first service, we had about a dozen teens from Waukesha, Wisconsin, on their way to spend a week helping people in West Virginia. Going and doing likewise, at least doing the best we can. Your prayers in a few moments have the power to make things happen in the world and especially in our hearts. Like thirsty workers passing around a jug of cold water, we not only share bread and wine with one one another, we share values and resources that by the blessing of God make things happen that show compassion and do mercy throughout the world. There are those who have imagined the Samaritan, the innkeeper, and the victim all healed up, forming a committee, creating a task force to make the road between Jerusalem and Jericho a safer place, safer place for travelers. You know, there, there is a Good Samaritan law that has come along, and that protects people who act as Good Samaritans and maybe make themselves liable to lawsuits. There is even a Good Samaritan Inn, as I understand it, today on, located on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And as a matter of fact, what I do know is that for 20 years, from 1976 to 1996, there was a Good Samaritan Lutheran Church on the south side of Chicago that found its way into the ELCA before merging with another congregation. I was fortunate, privileged, and blessed enough to be the pastor of that congregation <clears throat> from its beginning and for its first seven years before coming to Columbus, living out its name in the community. How did we become, maybe I know of one other Good Samaritan Lutheran Church that's in Las Vegas today, but how in the world did we choose the name Good Samaritan Lutheran Church? Um, it sort of challenged me. That's, that's a long time ago, 1976. Uh, you can do the math. So I, got, I called some of my friends back in Chicago who were there at the time, and I got two, two different versions. You know, every, every, every congregation has its person who is a little bit uh, irreligious, uh, a little bit uh, uh, on, the, on the 
decide to, to, not, uh, to use humor to uh, get the job done. And uh, the first story I got was uh, that we were helping a, para, uh, a, a paraplegic at the time. Uh, one of our members got in an accident and broke his neck. And a number of us responded to that. And, and then these same people uh, started putting some baskets together, uh, providing meals for uh, other people that we were aware of, friends and neighbors in the community. And that was just at the time that we were forming this new congregation. And, and so said this Good Samaritan Committee, uh, it, this works, uh, let's go with that name. Uh, the, the other person that I, I fortunately or, or unfortunately called, uh, he's the joker in the crowd, and, and uh, he said, oh, no, that's not the way we got our name. Uh, we got our name because, you know, South Side of Chicago. One day I was out walking on Lake Michigan, and uh, God came and we had a conversation. And I asked God, what do you think we ought to name our new church? And God said, I think that's a good thing. And he said, okay, we'll call it Good Thing Lutheran Church. And God, God said, no, you klutz, call it Good Samaritan Lutheran Church. And it said, okay, that's what we'll call it. And then he told me, well, so that's how we got our name. Now, you've got two versions here, and you can go with either one you want. I, I suspect there's one that is, is a little bit more accurate than the other. But it was a joyful, fun partnership that, that thrived on the ability to support one another and to do the right thing by showing love, compassion, and mercy. This joyful partnership, you can call it neighborliness, we have here at Lord of Life as well. Lord of Life provides a powerful, energizing, effective, and satisfying way to be a neighbor to those outside our congregation who are worthy of our mercy and compassion. They all are. Right here at Lord of Life, providing meals at First English, Faith Mission, Faith on Eighth, prison ministry, at schools through buddy bags, safe shelter with Habitat, and even providing meals for um, our pastor and others in need. Many of you are actively serving and doing good, finding joy and satisfaction, and, and God, God bless you for it. And may your dedication be a catalyst and a motivation for those of us who need that as well. You are an inspiration to us because you are the hands, the heart, the smile, the mercy and compassion of Jesus. Not only you, but others of you who maybe we don't recognize, but are serving those in need in many other forms of ministry out in the world. It's significant that we call ourselves Lord of Life Lutheran Church because Jesus is indeed Lord of our life because as travelers through life, we were robbed, stripped of human dignity and hope by our sin, left for dead, lying in the ditch of desolation and despair. When that first responder came along, noticed us, drew near, risked his life, treated our wounds, took us to a safe place to heal and recuperate, and now empowers us to reach out to others, to be neighbors, to show mercy with the love of Christ. So, number one, 
Love is action driven by mercy and compassion. It's more than a feeling. Number two, I am the neighbor to show mercy and compassion to the one in need who is probably not limited to the one in my neighborhood or next door. And number three, in my disappointment with myself to measure up, I am loved and forgiven, and my love of self is restored because I am loved by the one who died for me. So we can do it. We can go and do likewise. Amen.